Everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler Doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, Hour 1 of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler, but I am surrounded by the Doctrinaires. Tim is here. Uh, turn your thing on. Hello, hi. Every week, every week, it starts the same way. First you push the button, then you say hello. Okay. Tim Andrews is here. English Nick is here. Good day, sir. I don't know if Autumn Fisher is here with us yet. She is there? I'm here, I'm there, here. There she is. And the handsomest producer in all of producery, Jared Yamamoto, is here with us. Good morning, guys. Uh, we got a lot to cover this morning, so why don't we just go ahead and start with this. Headlines of the week. All right, Jared, hit me. All right, 11 protesters were arrested as several thousand Black Lives Matter demonstrators flooded the streets of downtown Atlanta on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to protest the recent deaths of African Americans by the hands of police. Yeah, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to spend all day on this uh, because I think there's too much blah, 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 blah about this for the last five days and just this circular argument that goes round and round and no, nobody seems to be interested in resolution on anything anymore. It's about grievance, grievance, grievance. From the left, grievances from the right. I'm getting sick and tired of it. This is what I tell you. This whole thing is so intellectually dishonest, it is hard to keep up with everything that is being said and what's going on. So first of all, on the Von Hessler Doctrine, the idea that the institutions of the United States of America are inherently racist is not true. Are there plenty of racists in America? Absolutely. I got news for you. I know some. And if you're black and listening to me, you know some, too. There are plenty of racists in the society. But the institutions of the United States of America are not racist. Seven times out of ten, it seems, when these stories break out and the media goes crazy, because for some reason, the editors of our major papers and uh, the people in the newsrooms of this country love this. I mean, they're playing with fire. But I, maybe it's very difficult to sell news these days. Papers don't sell the way they used to. Magazines basically don't exist. And I guess maybe when something like this happens, you just seize upon it in the, in the newsroom. Uh, it is... They're, now, there are racist, but the institutions, as I say, like seven out of ten times these stories break out, and everybody's angry, and the chief of police is black, the mayor is black, the city council mostly in, in the cities are black. We now have, and I'm sorry, I, I know from my liberal friends who say just because we have a black president, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't make everything go away. Of course I know that. Intellectually, I know that. But we also live in a country, I'm supposed to believe this weekend, through all of this coverage, that this is a, a country that is institutionally racist with a black president who was reelected, and who, by the way, and this may, this may come as some kind of grand news to people who listen to talk radio, uh, the president is still wildly popular. Right? He still polls at 53 to 56% with just a few months left in his presidency, which is nearly unprecedented. I mean, even popular presidents, usually by the last year, were all so sick and tired of them that they, that people turn against them. Ronald Reagan is, should be seen as, as a high mark in presidencies. I was alive. Last two years of his presidency, not so popular. The idea that we still have a, a re-elected black president who's popular, 53 to 56%, and I have to deal with this fiction that we are a uh, country whose 
institutions are racist is is galling. You know, yesterday the Midtown Art Center lost about forty dollars because every Saturday my family and I have been coming in to watch a series of movies that are playing at the Midtown Art Center. Yesterday I woke up and said, you know what? I'm, we're not going into the city because. I am not going to be a prop in somebody else's movement. You know, I am an individual. By the way, this is what this country needs more of, and I'll get to that in a bit. Individualism. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere the way that we are shaping the dynamic of this. But I am not going to go sit at a stoplight and have some moron who's never met me, never spoke to me, doesn't know what I think about anything, scream and holler and call me names, because somehow we've decided that the one stereotype that's okay is white males, or whites in general, or white male privilege. We should all stand up and give a big round of applause to the sociology departments of this country because they have won. They started this. We have gotten to a point now where people graduate from college and they don't know that the concept of white male privilege is a social theory. It, in fact, has become a stereotype that is dressed up masquerading as science because somewhere down the line we decided to allow sociologists to refer to themselves as being part of the sciences which they absolutely are not let me tell you something that i know about sociology nobody it is not possible to study your society as a member of that society anthropology that's a science. A thousand years out, you can look back and study a society because you don't have any skin in the game. But this is 35, 40 years of sociology departments telling people that the institutions of their country are corrupt and horrible and racist and don't care about you. And so let's give them all a big round of applause because somewhere along the line, they were allowed to say white male privilege is backed up by science. It isn't. It's a social theory. I am not going to exist as a prop in somebody else's movement. What we need in this country are, quite frankly, more people like me. I don't see the world as a white man. I don't think of my race. And we have to get to that again. More intellectual dishonesty. Here's the Von Hessler doctrine. I'm going to lay it on you whether you like it or not. When it comes to things like racial pride, racial pride is either good or it is bad. It, now, my, my, uh, I come down on the side that racial pride is bad. That's my, but it's all racial pride. It is not possible to say that white racial pride is bad, but, uh, but black racial pride is good. None of us had anything to say about where we were born, who we were born to, whether we were born in a mansion or whether we were born in a back alley. Not one of us had anything to say about that. And for that reason, intellectually, honestly speaking, it is not credible to derive pride from the color of your skin because it's not an achievement it's not anything that you did and i am not going to be dragged into this idea of i hear about this uh, well we need to have a bigger dialogue and no i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do that when the, when the when the entry fee is well you have to check your white male privilege at the door yeah, well, I'm not going to if you want to come to the table, then what you have to do is you have to uh, admit your original stain, your original sin 
for being born white. I'm not going to go into the dialogue that way. If you want to deal with me, you're not going to deal with a white man. You're going to deal with Eric Von Hessler, and that's it. I don't see myself as a part of any legacy. Let me lay something on you, and we need more of this in this country. I can't tell you my great-grandfather's first name. You want to know why? I don't give a damn. And I don't see myself as part of my great-grandfather's legacy. I don't give a damn. I don't think my family's better than your family because we do X, Y, and Z. I see all of that as garbage. We need more individuals in this society. More individuals. Too much of the siloing and seeing the world as, well, I'm part of this collective and this movement, and we have to do this. I'm not a part of anything. I'm part of one tribe, American. I'm a proud American. After that, it's all me. It's all Eric Von Hessler, my individual life. I'm not a proud Georgian. I'm not a proud Atlantan. I don't pro- No, I am a proud American. That's one tribe. That's the one tribe we all should be in. And if you are in, then you should be part of healing. And uh, I don't even like that word healing. Resolving problems. It doesn't seem to me that uh, people seem to care too much about resolving problems. Now, the media on this, and I'm going to go after us a little bit here, too, because we're falling into this trap as well. Uh, and I understand that, uh, you know, you want, you want better ratings and you want more readers and, and you want all this. But this ridiculous headline from after the Dallas shooting, uh, the, the, lo- the, the biggest loss of li- life of police officers since 9-11 conflating two stories that are nothing alike. It was 74 officers in 9-11, it's five here, and the police officers were not the target of 9-11. The police officers died doing their job, trying to rescue others, maybe some were on the spot when, they, when the whole thing came down to begin with. Conflating two stories that don't matter. Here's another conflation, two stories that don't go together. Another conflation of stories that don't go together. The incident in Baton Rouge and the incident in Minneapolis. The incident in Baton Rouge, we just don't have enough evidence yet. The tape, the video doesn't look good, but the thing with these videos is they always show you part of what happened. They don't show you the whole thing. So we need to learn more about what happened there. Minneapolis, a completely different deal. I don't know anybody who would look at that and say, well, that guy, that was justified. It looks to me, and this is very early on, but from what I've seen, like that guy should never have been a cop. That was not a very well properly trained cop, and it seems to me that uh, the, the two are completely different. In Baton Rouge, they're called there because a guy had a gun and someone said they were threatened by the gun. Two completely different situations. But it seems to be okay, because here's the stereotype that's allowed. You know, if someone screams Allah Akbar before shooting up a a club full of patrons, we have to go out of our way, we're told, to make sure that we separate and know that most Muslims are not thinking this way or wouldn't do this. But if two cops do something in Baton Rouge or one cop does something in Minneapolis, it's perfectly okay to hold every uniformed officer responsible for that. that. That is intellectual dishonesty. Also, what the hell did the Dallas Police Department have to do with Baton Rouge or Minneapolis? Again, this is sanctioned stereotyping. It's okay to hold the Dallas Police Department responsible for what the Baton Rouge Police Department did, or the Minneapolis Police Department did, or the Ferguson Police Department did. This is all, all of these premises are based on intellectual dishonesty, and almost anybody who asks for a dialogue is not interested 
interested in what a real dialogue is, which is we all come to the table, we respect each other, and no one has to admit to some sort of original sin because they were born inside of a skin color that none of us chose. All right, more headlines when we return. Uh, welcome back. I am Eric Von Hessler, surrounded by the doctrinaires. Tim is here, Jared's here, English Nick's here, Autumn is here, and we're still doing headlines. So give me another headline. Yeah, Donald Trump had a uh, tense meeting with his GOP counterparts earlier this week, Eric. Yeah, I heard while well, he met, he went to Congress, right? And it went well in the House. I guess everything was pretty good in the House. We did well with Paul Ryan. Then it, it gets to the Senate. If, the, if you believe the stories that have come out of there from people who are in this meeting, um, it's, uh, it's troubling. It's troubling. Apparently, he uh, he and Senator uh, Jeff Flake from Arizona went at it, and Jeff Flake first kind of mocked him a little bit about the way he characterized John McCain as not a war hero because he's from Arizona. And that, I think so his got, opening was like, what, uh, yeah. "What? I'm the other senator. I'm the other senator from Arizona." Yeah, and uh, so that got off contentiously. But I guess if you believe people who are in that meeting, Donald Trump basically s- said to the guy. I mean, if you look through the words, when I'm president, I'm going to do everything I can to be your worst nightmare. In the meeting, he basically said, uh, I'm, you know, you're going to lose your election. And this is the great thing about Donald Trump. He actually makes threats without knowing what the situation is. So Jeff Flake <laughs> had to say back to him, back to him, by the way, I'm not up for re-election in this cycle. So, Donald Trump, if you're going to go after somebody, if you're going to threaten somebody, you might at least want to know the facts well, look, about whether the guy's up for re-election. Look, he's a flake. Everybody knows that he's a flake. It's right there in his name. Flaky uh, Jeff. I, I said, uh, you know, I went there and I talked to little Marco and Lion Ted and I apologized. <laughs> uh, I saw Turtle Face t- uh, Mitch, uh, Diamond David Peru, Degenerate David Bitter. Uh, you're trying to make up with these guys. And I said, look, Rand Paul, get some lifts. You're too short. No one can take you seriously. Look at that perm. You don't need a perm. Get rid of the perm. Really, it's this is a look into uh, what type of president Donald Trump would be, I believe, because he spent most of the time, it was about him pointing out people who had disagreed with him along the way and trying to settle scores. Where's Al Franken? I want to see... Oh, he's not in the... Uh, he's not in the... Don't uh, worry, but we don't like him, do we? <laughs> So Trump's Trump's campaign slogan should be yeah but still. Yeah, but still. Yeah, but still. Let me just say, yeah, but still. <laughs> Look, it's uh it, you know, he's going to be the nominee. He's going to see how this, you know, with all this strife that's broken out in the streets, it's hard to believe this is not going to be visited on maybe both conventions. Cleveland's what in 2 weeks? A little two less weeks. than yeah. 2 weeks. Uh, it's hard to believe that if people are marching in Atlanta because of things that happened in Baton Rouge, uh, that this whole thing isn't going to hit the Republicans first, and maybe the Democrats after that, because uh, these grassroots organizations are, uh, you know, media whores. Quite frankly, if there's going to be a bunch of cameras, then there's going to be demonstrations. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, this is, you know, I'm voting for the Libertarian because I know he's not going to win. I don't have to worry he's, about it. He's pulled a little <laughs> bit better. I, I know the guy that I'm voting for isn't going to win, so you can't hold me responsible for anything. Week in, week out, his polling keeps going up, and the, the other surprising factor is Jill Stein's polling is going up, too. What is she, a commie? What she's is a Green Jill Party? Stein? Green Party? Yeah, pretty much. She's horrible. We don't like Jill Stein. <laughs> she's like, uh, she wants us to be even more socialist than Europe is, right? I mean, pretty much, yeah. Hey, so, listen, she tried to turn over, she offered Bernie Sanders her slot on that ticket. She w- willingly was right. going to step down. And he, you know, no, he doesn't 
doesn't want it. He doesn't really want the responsibility. Bernie Sanders wanted to have one last ride as an old man. To Money have some and fun. hot chicks. Uh, like, <laughs> to him. That, was, that, was, that was a rolling Woodstock review. That's right. Yeah, he, uh, he just the, wanted to yeah. meet Snoop. That's right. All the hippies, all the hippies before they die got the Bernie Sanders things like, oh my God, this is really happening. People are paying attention to our stupid ideas from 1969. Let's all have one long, lasting party, but uh, look out for the brown acid. He's going to be on the new Curb Your Enthusiasm, too. He'll yes. get a guest slot. You know it. There's going to be a scene with Laurie and Bernie looking at each other. Yeah, I think that uh, that's the one thing Bernie Sanders helped make happen. Pretty, yep. pretty, pretty good. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> We're getting another season of Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> because people were so delighted with the Bernie Sanders campaign. It's called brand confusion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this whole country. Is that Bernie Sanders? Oh. Isn't everything in this country could be titled something confusion? We are a confused <laughs> bunch of people who I don't think even deserve our country anymore. That's pretty harsh, huh? That's pretty harsh. I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if we deserve the country we have. We have all the tools right in our hands right now. You got to, me. To, yeah, well, yeah. All right. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we deserve all the confusion. Hit that music again. I know I overtalked. All right. We have a little segment called WTF when we return. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. And in this Sunday's Atlanta Journal-Constitution, look for an investigation that exposes a widespread number of doctors. Wait, this is old. You're giving me old... Oh, no, no, no. This is this weekend. It broke on Thursday because I'd already read some of it. Okay, no, all right. I was uh, immediately pointing a finger always, at me. <laughs> always looking at Jared. That's right. They, they teased us on uh, Wednesday or so. Right. And there's more in this weekend. When we so fill in. We say again on this Sunday's Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you'll find a story in an investigation that exposes a widespread number of doctors who sexually abuse patients and get away with it. And that's nationwide. That's why we say if it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. Also... It is that time of year again. It's time for the WSB Carathon. That's going to start at, what, 4.30 in the morning? Yes, sir. Tomorrow morning. And we'll go all the way till... Six, Tuesday, uh, six o'clock on Tuesday, I on believe. Tuesday night. Of course, uh, this is... Uh, we are saving lives, the lives of children with cancer. The WSB Carathon benefiting the Affleck Cancer Center at Children's Health Care of Atlanta. Uh, listen and be inspired... Uh, donate now online at WSBRadio.com, and uh, I will be there. Jared will be there. Uh, Nick, are you going to be there? Absolutely. Uh, don't, I don't think Tim's going to be there. Are you going to be there? Sadly, no. Sadly, Tim can't be there. But you know what? There'll be us, 8 to 10, tomorrow night. We will be there live. So make sure that you tune in, and make sure that you contribute everything that you can. Remember, if you think Eric Von Hessler is the bee's knees, then you need to let WSB see, wow. This guy was on for two hours, and he broke the bank. Like, yeah, did, didn't you beat Erickson's last hour? I don't want to. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So that's my, Take that. Eric Erickson is on before us, and being a competitive person, friendly competition, I would like to raise more money than Eric. So if you, uh, if you want to help me raise more money, and then you know what? They take Eric's money and my money, put it together, and it benefits all the kids. So that uh, starts at 4.30 in the morning. It's a couple of the best days of year for WSB, and let's face it, I'm I'm not the first one to say this, but we haven't had a lot of good news lately. And this is a point that I make when we do the when we did the carathon last year. Sometimes you wake up 
and you just look at the news, and everything just seems so dismal. And there, it, you know, ISIS doing this, and these this group doing this, and these people being killed for for no good reason. And you think, is there any good in this world? It comes down to you individually. This is something that you can do to bring good into the world. And I think this can't be emphasized enough. WSB doesn't get a dime. There's no overhead. First, we have to pay for people. Then all the money goes to F, goes to the cancer center. So uh, it's a good place to put your money. And we look forward to being on from eight to ten tomorrow. Now let's do this. What the? What the? What the? Seriously, what the? WTF with Autumn Fisher? With Autumn yeah. Fisher. That's Mike. WTF? Not the most uh, creative name for a segment. <laughs> Everybody has a WTF segment and uh, on their news things, and then uh, Mark Maron's got the big podcast, but uh, I didn't say I was that smart when naming segments. Just what I say within the segments. So, so give me something to say, Autumn. Well, I hate to go into such a bummer story from, I feel like you were so inspirational talking about the Carathon, but uh, <laughs> ISIS is selling thousand, uh, thousands of Yazidi women as sex slaves on an encrypted app. Yeah, so there's now an app. That is, I don't know what is that. Tim, you know a little bit about the what I call the dark net. <laughs> yes, you're 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 you. You've, I I, de- I delve into things. Yes. So, what is an encrypted app? Like how how could I get an app and know how to open it? And the people who make the app only want me to be able to open it. Well, first of all, you'd have to be in the organization, and second okay. of all, you'd have to have probably well yeah, some an, sort of password or something you're given. An or? Android device, uh, an Android device, because Apple won't allow apps onto their system, so you can't right. have that. So anyway, they they, they target the people. They know they're already in it, and then they share it with people who um, may want right. to join. Yeah, so you know, I the, mean, nothing will recruit people better than that. You yeah. know, at the, at, well, at the bottom line of all of this is, I, I have said before, I cannot believe how little the women's movement in the United States ever has to say about this. Mm-hmm. You know, our movements in the United States, gay rights, uh, uh, women's uh, uh, movement, it's all very. United States centric like we've gotten this now our next job is to get this and get more and more and more and they never speak out you know I got uh, here's a here's a fact that I know for I know this for a fact more women live outside of the United States of America (laughs) than live inside the United States of America here's another fact women in the United States of America are the freest women in the world so although the job is not done you would think that they would have a little bit of time to point out what goes on to women in these other cultures and it should be their goal to why don't they see these people as their sisters if a feminist lives in New York, she sees a woman in California as her sister. Why aren't these, why aren't, why aren't women of the world seen as sisters to the women's movement? They speak these up. Are, these are children. Well, it doesn't, well, this, it's, it's. I'm saying, like, there, and, and also. Autumn, would it be okay are, if they were 30? <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're being no, sold. No, I'm just saying. They're being yeah. sold as sex slaves, but because it doesn't happen in the United States of America, nobody cares. It's like the gay rights movement. The fact that people are being executed around the world in these cultures just for being gay, the gay rights movement of America does not give a damn. They never speak up about it. They do not see that a, a gay person in the Middle East is somehow their brother that doesn't have a voice that maybe could use a voice on this in, in the West where you can have a voice. So I, you know, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, that they have an app that they, this, 
this is how they get their money. They get their money from several different sources. Shebay. Shebay. They put their, your, your, get your sex slave, right? I mean, this is like something from the, the 16th century, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yet it still goes on. And as long as it doesn't happen in the United States of America, then the leftist movements don't give a damn. They're so self-centered and all about, yeah, we got this right. Now let's go get, let's, let's worry about ourselves always and only. Also, there was a, one of these uh, bombings that happened a couple of weeks ago, I saw that one of the women, one of the uh, suicide bombers was a woman, which makes me weirdly think, are they offered 72 virgins as well? Because that's not a good deal. Seven, <laughs> 72 male virgins. Like, ah, well, they told us that you blew yourself up and nah. stuff, so I guess we gotta, I guess we gotta do stuff. <laughs> Thanks for moaning over my punchline. Next story. <laughs> sure. See, um, so, uh, George Takei has something to say about the new uh, Sulu uh, revelation in the new Star Trek Beyond movie. What is uh, that? They've de- Go ahead. Sorry, they've decided that he is going to come out as gay. Now, so we got to backtrack this. So, George Takei is the guy who plays Sulu, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. and let me say, though, it's Takei. Takei, uh, to, to say Takai means expensive, and he's corrected that. And I'm cheap. <laughs> okay, so, George Takei came out of the closet, what, in the 90s or something? He was yes. cl- You were closeted the whole time you were on Star Trek. So in the latest Star Trek movie, as an homage to you, they've decided to make the character Sulu will be, come out of the closet and be gay. And the weird thing is, Autumn, that he's saying... George Takei, Takei, whatever, Takei, Takei, is saying that he's not in favor of that because it changes. Yes, he says it's changing Gene Roddenberry's original creation, which which he felt Gene had put in a lot of thought. And he says, quote, I think it's really unfortunate. It is. And and I I see what he's saying because he went on to say, create a new character. Right. right. Who was always gay because in the original Star Trek series, he was straight. Exactly. I made out with Nichelle Nichols, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Which episode was that? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> so so uh, I, I have to give uh, credit to, uh, uh, to Kay, because it, it's usually people will just jump in and go, oh, that was an homage, and I'm grateful for it. The fact that he sees Gene Roddenberry's vision of Star Trek as something as legitimate as his own sexuality, I give him a, a round of applause for that. It doesn't matter anymore. They're going to do whatever the hell they want with those characters. Uh, I've heard that J.J. Abrams is going to have uh, Spock come out as uh, <laughs> also gay, and that's not true. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> they must feel like they're getting slapped in the face, though, right? They feel like they're doing something for this character and George Takei, right. and then he basically comes out and says, "I'm not in favor of this." Uh, intellectually speaking, though, I think that he's right. If you want to have a gay character, just put a new character up there. Just well, and he made he made a good point saying that that means that Sulu would have been closeted for this whole amount of time. Yeah, it changes the whole nature right. of his character, and there are no closets in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's out, right? That's correct. Just pocket doors. <laughs> correct. And they go, shh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So give me another story. Sure. Uh, so a model becomes, a Thai model becomes possessed by a cannibalistic ghost as, she, as she's on live TV. And the interviewer just decides to interview the ghost. You know, this is weird because it's in Thailand. So, <laughs> you, but you can still hear you can still hear. Now, whenever you hear the weird noises, this is the supermodel. And, uh. 
นี่คือนี่คือเข้ามาแล้วใช่ไหมได้ไหมเฮ้ยยุ่งกับกูมากเฮ้ยก็นี่ไงเขาบอกเดี๋ยวเขาจะทำเลือดมาบูชาไม่ไหลเลยอ What makes ghosts speak like that? Well, it's just like oh, every ghost is. Well, they have a sheet over them. Why not? Why can't speak through the sheet? Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Their mouth is actually being covered. Right. That makes sense to me. But this is. So I looked up the the origin of this ghost. It's called Pop. And it originated from this prince who said these magic words and was able to his spirit was able to leave his body and go into animals. His servants overheard these words and started doing it themselves, and and would go into the prince's body and pretend to be the prince. Yeah. So his wife came and killed the servants. So then the servants had to they couldn't escape, and so they would go they couldn't escape back into their own bodies. So they would go into these bodies of these. Supermodels and their insides. They're going to make a mess. Okay? 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 She's so full of it. Come on, performance artist. I love it. Shock jockery, right? I love it whenever when people anytime there's like, oh, I'm being, I'm speaking in tongues. I've been taken over by ghosts, and people actually believe this nonsense. Let me give you the Von Hessler doctrine on this one. There's no such thing as ghost. And believe me, you don't want there to be ghost. Okay, uh, I have loved ones. My mother, my mother died recently. Right, nothing worse when you're at a funeral and somebody comes up to you and pats you on the back and says, "They're up there looking down on us." She's looking down on us, <laughs> and I'm thinking, does she stop when I'm in the bathroom? <laughs> um, do these ghosts stop looking at me when uh, I'm intimate with my wife? I mean. Think about this. this no, your, mom, your mom is watching. <laughs> your mom just watching. find comfort that your mom is there cheering you on. I don't want anybody that's not uh, alive watching. I can escape <laughs> from real people. The idea of ghosts are absolutely silly. Don't believe in ghosts. Educate yourself. She's looking down on us, on us now. Well, I hope she wasn't looking down on me ten minutes ago in the bathroom. Because <laughs> I will tell you that that did not look good, and that's not something anyone should see. All right, more WTF when we return. Welcome back. I am the aforementioned Eric von Hessler. Tim's here. Jared's here. English Nick is here. Autumn is doing WTF. One quick uh, uh, thing to say on everything going on over this weekend before we get to another silly story. Uh, I'm struck by Black Lives Matter. I'm sure many people who are involved in Black Lives Matter have. Decent ideas, and you know, and maybe are nonviolent and all of that. But Black Lives Matter gets such a pass on everything. Imagine from like, imagine that in Dallas before those uh, officers were shot. Was imagine that that was a KKK rally, right? And mo- and and most of it went peaceful, but at the end, somebody uh, shot five minorities. Do you think that we would be so easy to separate 
uh, the people who, who were who were marching and what happened afterward. Now, here's the thing. I think that the separation is actually real. I don't think most of the people that were marching in Dallas wanted something like that to happen. But I'm just pointing out the double standard here. I, you know, Black Lives Matter can do almost anything and get a pass. Uh, I don't know if they're a hate group, but if they're not a hate group, they're as close to a hate group as you can get without being a hate group, uh, many of the tactics are very much the same. I would love to get somebody from the uh, Southern, what's it called, the Southern Law Poverty? SPLC. Uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. They're the ones who basically are the presidents of hate. Like, they decide right. what's a hate group and what's not uh, a hate group. I would love to get a couple drinks off the record of somebody and say, you tell me the difference. <laughs> tell me why Black Lives Matter doesn't fall into the category that you put other militias and people like that into and call them hate groups. But uh, that's just a little bit serious there. Now to more WTF, Autumn. All right, so the Spice Girls, yeah, they're reuniting, but they've got to change the name, don't they? Because there's no posher sporty. So they're, re- they're changing the name to Jem because there's like, all right, Jerry, who's Ginger Spice with a G. Uh-huh. And you've got Emma, who is Baby Spice. And then whoever, me- oh, Melanie, who was Scary Spice. So now they're Jem. So are, are there any explanation as to why the other two, as if I care, are not joining? No, they just don't want to do it, do they? So two of them didn't spend all their money. This is what That's we right. know about this. They invested well. <laughs> One of them married well. <laughs> yeah, one's married to David Beckham, yeah. so she's got no worries. She's, so yeah, she's, she's just like hanging out, and we're like, we need a job. Mm-hmm. So let's like make our, our band again, mm-hmm. but we've got to rename ourselves, but we'll still be like Spice Girls, except we're not. Well, the Spice Girls, the Spice Girls had like uh, ten minutes. Did, uh, one how, hit. One hit and one movie that people uh, liked. Excuse me, yes. that is incorrect. Okay. Oh, we'll get to name the other hit. I know the one I'm we were just playing. Giving you everything. No. Nope. All that joy can bring. This hey. I swear. Oldham, don't forget the ballad. I can't remember the name of it. There was a ballad. Oh, was yeah. When to become one. There you go. All right. Well, they got three. So, <laughs> Need some love. Yeah. So that gem concert is going to be a great 20 minute show. <laughs> All right. All the there. <laughs> what? All the hits playing them. I think, I think Ginger Spice has spent all her money on plastic surgery and Botox. Oh, uh, <laughs> so good. You know, I she looks amazing. She really no, does. She, looks, she doesn't. Yes, no. she does. Watch the video. Watch the video about the rematch. Uh, all right. I, uh, you can't get good plastic surgery in Britain, yeah, in yeah. London. First of all, I don't trust anybody in Britain who has good teeth. <laughs> They're not legitimate in my eyes. So there's some fakery going on here right from the, right, right from the, the get-go. I, I don't like to watch pop stars get desperate. There's something very strange about that, you know, like, there's a difference between Madonna and the Rolling Stones. Like, the Rolling Stones are, they know they're never going to have another big hit, they know, but they just have this great catalog, and while they're alive, they go around and they play, and people are delighted to be able to hear those songs again. Madonna, different thing. You can tell she's desperate to be Madonna again. You can tell she's desperate to have another, a number one hit. And if I could have Madonna right here, I would say, you've got, what, 20 number one hits? That's 20 more than most other people who have ever lived. You should be satisfied. You know, live your life, uh, do whatever music you want to do, but uh, this is like the Madonna thing for me, where people are missing the spotlight. I got news for you. Jam ain't going to have a hit. They're not going to have a big hit like, uh, like the, uh, the Spice Girls. Now, if they have the Rolling Stones attitude of, well, we have an audience, they like our songs, we'll go out there and play the songs for them, that's all right. But uh, the one bad thing about pop culture is that we have to watch these people age. 
and get desperate <laughs> and realize that, oh my goodness, I'm becoming like my parents. Instead of embracing their age. Embrace it. Madonna, you're 56. Whether you like it or not, there's nothing wrong with being 56. For a lot of people, it's the best year of their lives. But live. Live as a 56-year-old. <laughs> Don't be a desperate old pop star. There's nothing more pathetic. All right, more headlines when we get back. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, Hour 2 of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. I'm surrounded by my doctrinaires, Tim, Jared, English Nick, Autumn Fisher. And before we move any further and do more headlines, I want to remind people that starting at 4.30 in the morning, this next 4.30, Monday morning, the WSB Carathon will begin, and it will go all the way through 6 p.m. on Tuesday. And again, we'll raise great money for a great cause. Uh, the Alf- Alf- I- Tell me the exact, because I'm terrible. The Aflac Cancer Center. Yes, we were there last year. We'll be there again from 8 to 10 tomorrow night. And it's very important to me that I raise more money while I'm on the air than Eric Erickson, who will be on right before me. So don't let me down. And remember, all the money. WSB gets no cut of this whatsoever. All of the money goes to the children. So uh, please join us and let's do the best. Let's have the best year ever. Let's raise more money than ever before. I'm looking forward to being there from 8 to 10 tomorrow because we did it last year and we had some some great people on with us. You see, you see these wonderful stories. Uh, we had somebody on last year who was like in his mid-20s. He had been there, at the, had cancer when he was 10, 11 years old, talked about the great care that they had. And, uh, and so he keeps coming back to give back for the young kids that are coming through now. So starting at 4.30 in the morning, going all the way until 6 p.m. on Tuesday. Yes, Jerry? Yeah, I was going to say, we'll also have some things to uh, that you can bid on for, for the Von Hessler Doctor. I know Tim, Tim, is, uh, Tim is helping us out here. He'll record a greeting for you, and uh, you can have him do any impersonation that, that Tim can do. Any and, uh, that we'll, you like, any that I'm good at, any that I'm not so good at, whatever you want. <laughs> We're also going to have I another wanna... uh, Von Hessler experience coming up in the next couple weeks. We'll confirm that date tomorrow. Yes. Um, and there'll be Lots of other a live show, you can come join us while we do the show. We do a lot of different things that you can bid on, but just give as much as you can because you want Eric Von Hessler to beat Eric Erickson <laughs> with the amount of money that was raised. I don't want to be uh, too competitive here, but it's all for a good <laughs> cause, so it's okay to be competitive. It's on. Guess what? It's time for this. More headlines. More headlines. All right, Jared Yamamoto. Apparently, Eric, we haven't heard the last of Hillary Clinton's emails. Republicans grilled FBI Director James Comey for four and a half hours on Thursday, seeking fresh evidence suggesting that she may have lied to Congress. Well, what happened, I watched I watched most of this, and I think it was Jason Shevitz. Is, is that how you say yeah, his name? That's from, from Utah. From Utah. And he was asking, because basically the FBI director said the same thing that he had said a couple days before, that there was a lot of uh, extreme carelessness is uh, (laughs) what he was saying, but not enough to prosecute on. But he did lay out all the things that she did wrong. And so Jason Shevitz says, well, if you're looking at that, when she appeared before us and spoke to Congress in the Benghazi hearings, there was a segment of that that was about these emails and the server, and he said... Uh, given what you're telling us is the fact, didn't she lie to us? And isn't that something worth checking into? And Comey's response to that was, 
I'll check into it, but it's your job to request it first. I can't just decide to go anywhere I want in investigations. You're the Congress. If you want the FBI to investigate whether or not she lied to you during the Benghazi hearings, you have to request that, and then I will do that. And basically, uh, Jason Chevitz said, well, you'll have that by the end of the day. Now, here's the fear. I talked about this earlier in the week. The honey trap. For Republicans, <laughs> who no matter how many times they go around this, still believe they're going to get the Clintons on scandal. It is now something like 247 to zero when it comes to Republicans trying to bring down the Clintons on, on scandal. They are the, uh, whoever your favorite artist is, they're that person of scandal. They are that good with scandal, and it's a honey trap for the Republicans. Over and over again, they go, well, here it is. Surely we can get them on this. It's so obvious. It's so there. And then they get stuck inside of there. And what will quickly happen is the Clintons are very good at making themselves the victims. What you have to remember is most people don't listen to talk radio every day. Most people don't watch the news every day. Most people don't follow the uh, the minutiae that goes on in the news. They read headlines, and the Clintons know how to turn that to their advantage in scandal. And they will say, you see, the FBI director, who happens to be a Republican, exonerated her, but that's not enough for this Republican Congress. This is a witch hunt. And for most people who don't follow this the way we follow this, that's going to seem like a good argument to them. I will tell you that if the Republicans are smart, they will stop hearings on this stuff. Whether you like it or not, rank and file has decided Donald Trump is our candidate, okay? This is on Donald Trump. It's his job to prosecute this case against Hillary Clinton over the next few months as a reason why she should not be the next president of the United States. It's totally on him. She's We're, crooked. There you go. <laughs> but it's your job in the, uh, in the debates, all of this, to bring up the fact that she did, it looks like, she lied in the Benghazi hearings. If Comey's information is true, she said no classified emails. He said a 100. You know, that's a pretty big lie. There's a lot of stuff. And so it is true, I think, that she lied during these hearings. But if you want this to be effective, you're, if you're a Republican, your standard bearer in a couple of weeks is going to be Donald Trump. It is his job to prosecute this case against Hillary Clinton if you want it to be done effectively. Because and we all know what a good job he's going to do. Objection. <laughs> Bring it on, Trump. Your Honor, I would like to say, in, in this case, Your Honor, Who it's are, the American your people. Your Honor? Your Honor, the American people. And they will judge you, and they will find you guilty, and I will win. End of story. But if he wants you know, to be, he has to be, eh. have, a, have his case down. He has to be ready to go. He needs to go into the debates and say, you said this in the Benghazi hearing, and this is what the FBI director said was fact. Now, Hillary Clinton, tell me that the FBI director was wrong, or tell me how I'm getting what you said wrong. But you, look, the time has come for Donald Trump. He is the Republican standard bearer. We are going to have an election. We are not a banana republic. We are not a third world nation. The new administration doesn't put the old administration in jail. This needs to be litigated through the election because no one is going to claim that Donald Trump doesn't have a right to tell you why you shouldn't vote for the opponent. But if you get bogged down in more congressional hearings, I'm telling you, the Clintons, there are no, no, no one is better <laughs> at beating you with scandal because they, they do the same 
thing every time. I remember there's language this time that mirrors exactly the Monica Lewinsky thing. Like before the FBI director came out last week, all the surrogates for Clinton were saying $7 million has been had, of taxpayer money and they found nothing. Flashback to uh, the, uh, the, the Ken Starr investigation. Four years, $40 million. Every Four years, $40 million. It's the same playbook. And what the Clintons do is when you get down there in their scandal, they just muddy the waters so much that when the average voter comes along and looks down, they just see mud everywhere. They see mud on everyone, and they don't take it seriously. I, perception is reality. The reality is, I believe, Eric von Hessler, that she did lie to the Benghazi hearing. I believe she's lied to the American people. I believe that she lied to the families of the dead in front of the caskets when they came back from Benghazi. I believe all of this to be true. But I also know that the Republicans have never beaten the Clintons on their so-called scandals. You have to remember that most of the second administration of Bill Clinton was filled up with impeachment. And Al Gore still won the popular vote in 2000. I said this earlier. This is something that a lot of listeners to talk radio may not know and, and may be blown away by. But the president of the United States right now is still popular. His, his policies may not be, but when they do polling on this, he gets 53 to 56%. So... This is, again, it's a honey trap for Republicans. We're going to get the Clintons this time. It's so obvious on scandal. Whether you like it or not, Donald Trump is your standard bearer, and this is an argument for Donald Trump to make to the nation if it has any chance of being effective. And I, I don't know. I don't know if you can. I've been watching a lot of Law & Order, so <laughs> you just be careful. <laughs> Uh, give me another start. Sure. So uh, we've got the DNC and the RNC coming up in the next couple of weeks, and Snoop Dogg is set to perform at the Democratic National Convention. <laughs> that's smart, man. I, that that's smart. It's smart. Um, I'll tell you this: if you take away, I'm just looking at this objectively. Take away the scandal and all of that stuff that surrounds Hillary Clinton, she may very well implode eventually herself. She's not a very good candidate even without the scandals. But if you look in the last couple of weeks, she's running a tight campaign. Donald Trump is still meeting with members of his own caucus. Donald Trump is still trying to get other Republican politicians to get on board with him a couple weeks out from his convention. He did get Ted Cruz to, to, to speak at the RNC. Yeah, That's but Ted Cruz still came out and didn't endorse him. He just said, I'm going to speak. He didn't even endorse him. So you've got that going on on one side. Baby if you, steps, If right? you remove the scandal... Hillary Clinton is running a very tight... She's not out there. Like, everybody's... All of this stuff going on with Comey, she's not out there. She, she's not talking. Now, to me, that may be angering. She should be talking. But when you just look at it from the way of running a tight campaign, this is something I noticed about... The, and by the way, if you're just tuning in, I wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton if you dragged me through... You couldn't convince me to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm just being... Come on. A, I'm sorry. You just said... I don't vote for Democrats <laughs> because this is what I hear from every Democrat. It's Eric's fault. Eric and people like Eric. I don't blame you. You're a good boy. Oh, well, yeah, because you want my vote. Because you want my vote. Hey, come here. Let me give you a nice little hug. Here. But I'll say, oh. her, her campaign is so tight right now. There are a lot of professionals who've moved in who've done this an awful lot. Uh, this is something I've noticed on the news. Look for this next time. Her campaign is so tight that, you know, when they, they do these speaking engagements and they're doing their rallies and there's always people behind them. 
and they they always make sure this is on both sides. They always make sure there's a couple black people, a couple white people, a yeah. couple old yes. people, a couple yes. young people, yes. like death hit, guy. hit every <laughs> deaf people, blind people. So what I've noticed, what I've noticed is that uh, behind Hillary Clinton, you know, they're always holding signs. Watch for this in the future. There's always somebody that looks like a homemade sign. In the last couple of rallies, I saw one lady with a... It looked like the H with the arrow, like she made it at home with construction paper. And then I saw another one. These are not homemade signs. This campaign is so tight right now that they're smart enough to have professionals make signs that look like they were made in the basement so that you think that these are, you know, real supporters behind her that uh, spend their time making signs. That's just one indication. She's running a very, very tight campaign right now, and Trump is still trying to convince Republicans to join him. This could all change. Trump very well could win, but it's not looking too good right now. All right, what are we doing next here? Outrage? We got more headlines. We got more headlines. Oh, I see where we are now. Actually, we have more headlines when we return. Thank you, Jerry. And we're back. I'm Eric. That's Tim. That's English Nick. That's Autumn. And Jared's still feeding me some headlines. Yeah, yeah. So many are questioning the humanity of the Dallas Police Department's use of a robot to kill the sniper that had already killed five police officers. Well, there's an ethical... I understand there's an ethical question here about... this. Apparently, the first time this has ever been used is a tactic. Right. Where they actually... I don't know what they did with this remote thing. Put it in there. Basically, it was in there. They continued the dialogue. They continued to try to talk the guy out. But then when the shooting started again, they just blew him up. And so I understand there being an ethical question in the future. How much is this going to happen? When do we stop talking and start blowing people up? That sort of thing. I get that. But it seems to me that in this case, it was absolutely the right thing to do. That police department had already lost five people and didn't know if that was going to be it because seven others uh, were hit in, in the hospital. So uh, or were they all cops that ended up in the hospital? I think it was five others and then two other people who were just there. Yeah, I believe there were 11 officers that were shot, okay, five, five killed, and then one civilian. Okay, I got you. So they had already dealt with enough carnage that night. And once he started shooting again, I think it was perfectly reasonable. Why should they have put more people in harm's way in front of this maniac? The position he was in, too, he was pinned. But if any officers yeah. were to walk out in front of him, I mean, he, they're, they're yeah. sitting And he had already proven that he was going to kill anything that came into his sight. So I don't think that, uh, uh, that there's any question on this situation. Ethically speaking, in the future, when you make this available to every chief of police in every town, you might want to create some standards, since this was the first time, yeah, create absolutely. some clear rules of the road in using this. But this is a lot like, uh, I remember a story a few years ago, there was a, a, a dude that they were cornering in some uh, field somewhere, and he was cornered, but they had a, the, the, the local police had were going to have to send men in. And very likely maybe lose their lives. So instead, they sent a drone to find his position, mm -hmm. and then they got him from his position. And a lot of people said, well, that wasn't fair because you can't hear drones and a helicopter you can hear. Who cares about fair? Right. This guy was in a field. He was going to shoot cops. And if I'm the chief of police in any situation, I'm going to err on the side of my guys not getting shot. And it was weird. Like, that story was kind of like this one where people were complaining, like, well, he didn't even have a chance. You can't even hear a drone. I don't care if he had a chance. He had already shot at people. He had shown that he was willing to shoot cops. So I believe there is an ethical conversation that needs to be had about this. Rules of the road. 
When do you use a device like this? When do you not use a device like this? This was the first time, but the Von Hessler doctrine is, first time they got it right. I would have used it. Absolutely. Now! I know it's hard to believe in a week like this, but there is outrage in this country, and we will cover it. Outrage Corner with English Nick when we get back. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. And in today's Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution, look for an investigation that exposes a widespread number of doctors who sexually abuse patients and get away with it, plus $284 in coupon savings. That's why we say, if it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. I'm surrounded by my doctrinaires, and now it's time for this. Outrage Corner. That's outrageous. With English Nick. One of the aforementioned doctrinaires, English Nick. It's been an outrageous week, so hit me with other outrage that maybe most people aren't talking about. All right. Minnesota's Gretchen Carlson, former Miss America. She was on Fox News. She got terminated. Yeah. And now she's suing Fox News CEO Roger Ailes over what she sexual harassment. She yeah. says it's sexual harassment. He says uh, we her ratings were very low. Mm-hmm. And she was on, what was it called? The Real Story? Jared knows. Jared, I Jared follows so. all these Fox News. He is like <laughs> he knows them all. He has his favorites. It's really kind of disgusting. <laughs> yeah, she but, was on. She was on Fox and Friends, right? And then she, he yeah, moved they, her. Moved, they, they moved her to uh, the Real Story, right? I Gretchen believe Carlson. so, but don't, don't don't quote me on that. Now, one. according to Roger Ailes, who is the CEO of Fox mm-hmm. News, her ratings were really bad in the afternoon lineup. Was dragging everything down, and they decided not to renew her contract. Right after that, she sues him for sexual harassment says that he explicitly said that if she would do things with him, she would make more money and do better. She also says that she had complaints about other people, people on Fox and Friends, and that he always told her to just, you know, you're a man-hater, and you need to just get along with the guys. But, you know, and we don't know. Look, she did get fired. He's innocent until proven guilty. We, You know, he said, she said, we weren't there. We don't know. We have to let, let the thing kind of play out. But, you know, Fox News... Got a lot of stuff lately going on behind the scenes that people really don't talk about. I, I don't hear anybody talking about this. Does anybody notice that this guy, Ed Henry, who was oh, yeah. the dude who was doing the Hillary campaign and came from NBC News, big time reporter, suddenly disappeared? He's not on Fox News. Huh. And after a while, I'm like, well, what's, what's going on here? And I looked into it, and another sex scandal. He only got married like in 2011 or something like that, and apparently uh, was found out that he was uh, having an affair with some Las Vegas uh, stripper or something, <laughs> and that he did text messages and sexting and all of this stuff. So he's using like, his own number, too. Using like, his own phone. <laughs> so, how are you? It could be, so he's got a couple of kids, and so there's. He's been taken off the air. I don't know if he's been fired yet or if he's just on the air, off the air. Uh, who else? Just lately, it's been a real turmoil behind the scenes at Fox News. Uh, Bob Beckel, this guy used to be on The Five, and suddenly he just went away because of stuff that was going on behind the scenes. His own, I don't know, drug use for his back problems or whatever got in the way. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they do a good job of this stuff not really being talked about. Because, sure. like, the Gretchen Carlson thing is out there, but you've got to find it on online. The Ed Henry story, 
nobody Huge. talks about. Even like you would think because so many people on the left hate Fox News that they would seize upon these things. Yeah, why wouldn't they jump on this? I, I don't know. I think it's because all reporters recognize their code of the road, right? Yes. Yeah, we're on the road all the time. We're following uh, these campaigns. and uh, What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Yeah, as long as you don't sext on your own phone with your name Ed Henry at the top. I mean, I've seen stuff. I've seen stuff where they have to blur pictures out that he, you know, it's... Man, can you at least at least be a little bit smarter? I think there's an encrypted you know? a, an encrypted app for these news news yes, anchors who want to do things with people in Vegas they that they should, shouldn't. They should have their own. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like so. There's just a lot of turmoil going on, and this is a he said she said. There's a I've I've always kind of liked her uh, stuff on Fox. I mean, she seems mm-hmm. like a an engaging personality and kind of an interesting person, but it doesn't look good. She's been there 11 years. And she starts complaining now after they don't renew her contract. Right, that doesn't right. look good, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. But uh, she's brilliant with what she's doing here. Now that all the publicity is on her, she's going to be able to get a job fairly easily after this because, as you said, she's not a bad reporter. She's not a bad anchor. She's yeah. she, she's charismatic. I, I don't I know be, about this. I don't know about suing your employer. I, I, I've, I've known Yeah, that people, would make me nervous to hire her. Exactly. I know a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there are people in my lives who have sued their employers. And every time, not just in radio, some in radio, but some in just other industries. And if they're not about to retire, if they're still in the the, the meat of their working years, Mm -hmm. I always say, don't do it. Even if you're right, don't do it. You'll get blackballed. Well, it's, it's, not even, it's not even like an evil thing, you know? Like, if you come to me in any industry, and I'm interviewing you, and as part of your resume, you sued the last person you worked for, uh, that's going to give me pause, you know? You are the type of person who sues people. Uh, everything in this life isn't about being right and justice. Sometimes you have to have, like, a roadmap. And now, if, if she's truly being sexually harassed, that falls into a different category. Uh, but again, as long as I've got a good job with the money and the benefits, it doesn't, it's not worth suing over. But as soon as I lose the job and the benefits, now it is worth suing over. Yeah. That, that raises red flags for me. On the other hand, Roger Ailes obviously has an eye for the ladies. If you've ever seen the lineup. <laughs> yeah, there's some good-looking Fox, people at Fox. Fox News. <laughs> I mean, it's so... Uh, but that's not evidence. That's not damning evidence no. either. Uh, we'll find... We'll find out, but the the other the the other thing is going on here. There's a lot of stuff churning about underneath at Fox News. She's making allegations about people on Fox and Friends, Steve Ducey, people like that who are big faces for that for that network. And so she's dragging a lot of people through uh, through the glass on this. If she's right and it did happen, then more power to her. But just like anything with these situations, if you weren't there, you don't know. It's he said, she said. There's so much going on in the news cycle this year. Who's got the time for this kind of? Malarkey is my uh, my opinion. Hey, there's always time for a Las Vegas stripper. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's always, true. Always squeeze, always squeeze in a Las Vegas stripper or two. So, also squeeze in an inappropriate picture of your junk too, and, and send that along. Yes, that was the Ed Henry thing. You well, think this would be the biggest thing in the like not the biggest thing in the world, but I'm surprised that it gets zero coverage. And my guess is because a lot of reporters don't want people digging around in uh, their phone. Finding out what pictures they're sending out there. But I mean, at least be smart enough to, like, this, this falls into the whole thing for me. It's like, how smart are you? Right? You know, like, people cheat on their wives, right? It happens. We all know. Wives cheat on their husbands. This does happen. But 
be smart about it. Yeah, it's, it's like I don't know. Like, I'm not going to judge people just because they have an affair, because we know that this happens throughout human history. Human nature. But I will judge somebody who tells me they're having an affair. Like, oh, now you're you're wait, you're roping me into this. <laughs> so now the next time your wife is around, I'm lying along with you. That, right, and then if it comes out that you knew the whole time, right? No, right. So, oh so, but if you admit to me that you're having an affair. My first thing in my mind is, I'm never going into business with this guy. Right? So, people, people should be should respect their wives and be more sneaky. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You say sneaky, I would say be discreet. But discreet. If, you're, if you're doing something that goes against your marriage vows, don't tell me about it. Don't make, don't make me a co-conspirator. That's telling me more about your personality than the actual fact that you're cheating. Because we know that throughout human history... This happens. People cheat on their spouses or their girlfriends or their boyfriends. And so to a certain degree, it's kind of like part of humanity. But if you start telling me about it so that the next time your wife is around, I'm, I'm harboring your secret, that's what I'm judging you on. And Ed Henry, if you're a traveling reporter, set up, get a burner phone. Something. Be a little smart about Cover what you're doing. Cover your tracks, said Henry. So meanwhile, they got sexting with his name at the top. <laughs> and then, you know, his blurred out junk. Oh, no one wants to see that. Just stop. Well, you know, well, I don't know. They had a good little relationship going on. <laughs> no, girls do not want to see that. Exactly. Well, if they don't... Why? They want to see it so that they can show their girlfriends and laugh. Yep. Why is there so much of it? Because of that? Because guys are guys. And they think that that's something that we want to see. Well, why don't women train us better? Stop rewarding for bad behavior. I, I blame eh, because it. You, that's what we do, right? Yeah. We're like, oh, great, that's yeah. great. I, hey, I like that. I blame, <laughs> it, I blame it on the fairer sex. If their standards were yeah, higher, it's our fault. They could have, through evolution, worked that's this out. That's offensive. I know. It's oh. Melanie, the millennial blogger. Hey guys, so I just want to let you know, like, don't text me your junk because ew. <laughs> because ew. But if like I like you, then I guess I'll let it happen. Because why not? What about that vegetarian you've been going out with? These, these oh my like- god, he's so cute! Oh my god, the other day he made me this like watermelon radish vegetable roll up, and it was it was not great. But he looked really hot in my kitchen. <laughs> Has he ever sent uh, pictures of himself to you over? Ugh. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, but, like, see? this guy one time on Craigslist, he was, like, sending me these pictures. And I, it was so gross. But I showed everybody. And I posted <laughs> it on Yelp. <laughs> Give me another outrage. All right. We talked about this a while ago. The uh, KKK were trying to adopt a highway. And uh, they've now won a partial victory in the adopt a highway case. Yeah. So where is this in Georgia going on? It's in... Uh, it's, it's up in the North Georgia mountains. Oh, what a surprise. Um, yeah, so- it's Georgia 515 in Union County. A little okay. hot to wear robes and pick up trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, the thing, we only, we only want to do it in December. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, here's the problem with this. Obviously, you don't want to... Because here's the when you do the thing... You you get to have on on the signage. It says you know KKK sponsored uh, cleanup or whatever they say is so you get if you're the Rotary Club or whatever. Yeah, it's like one mile of highway, right? Yeah, and and but but you get the signage. Yep. 
So, and obviously, nobody wants that in the state of Georgia, that tourists are driving through and see that the KKK <laughs> is, uh, has adopted this mile of highway, and they keep it clean. But here's the thing. Let me come from a libertarian point of view. What it really reveals to you is that the concept of adopt a highway is not a good concept. Because once, once you start letting people do that, you open yourself up to any legal organization. And there's no doubt that whatever this chapter of the KKK is, they are a legal organization. They really don't need situations like this. We pay right, our NAMBLA. Tax- NAMBLA's trying to right. get a portion of the interstate. Yeah, you could have that as well. Look, if you, uh, we pay taxes for a reason. And it is up to the government to build the highways and keep them clean. And we all, we're not undertaxed as a country, as a state, and there's plenty of money there, and this is the problem, is when you open it up to legitimate areas that should just be being done by governing, you're going to get yourself into this. It's like, um, it's like in the NFL. Uh, most Americans don't have any problem when the wide receiver catches the pass, gets a touchdown, and then uh, praises Jesus. Says, all oh, it's all on him, whatever. Because most people watching are Christians. But once you open that up, the guy who catches the pass and is a Muslim, are you going to be so open to, you know, praise Allah? But here's the thing. You either have to say nobody does it or everybody gets to do it. So strangely enough, the KKK has the legal case here. Yep. What the Von Hessler doctrine is, is no one should be allowed to adopt a highway. That's what we pay taxes for. Keep up the yeah. highways. I disagree with their philosophies, but man, do they keep a clean highway. <laughs> they yep. keep a clean highway. <laughs> All right. More outrage when we continue. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. The doctrinaires are here, and English Nick is in the middle of Outrage Corner with English Nick. All right, we're going to Timmonsville, South Carolina, the tiny South Carolina town. Timmonsville. Anybody been to Timmonsville, South Carolina? Okay. Tim. Tim, have you been Tim. to Timmonsville? Oh, no. so many times. Oh, okay. So uh, hey, you were born there, right? That's yep. why you yeah, the, con- the convention of Tims, once a year, get together at Timmonsville. <laughs> they're, they're banning the sagging pants. They're banning the uh, pants on the ground. I mean, uh, you could get fined. So, uh, so what's the what's the any law? pants that are lower that, sh- that show your underwear basically? Yeah, for too low, and also that bans nudity in public places too. So uh, they find I, I think this didn't we somebody in Georgia tried to do this a while ago and and it didn't didn't work out. I they didn't do it. Here's the thing: I'm a libertarian, and I think whenever I see guys walking around with their pants hanging down like that and their underwear is showing, and they're like 23 years old, I just laugh. I just laugh. I think, all right, that guy's not going to get in my way of making money. They try that guy's it. not going to get in my way of being successful. That guy's not going to get in my way of moving up the ladder and becoming the CEO of whatever company I work for. They, yeah, they tried to pass it uh, in Hampton, right, right in our listening area, Henry right. County. Yeah. And, so uh, here's boy, the thing. I laugh. Miserably. I think it's silly. I think it's stupid. But I'm a libertarian. We don't need laws about how you wear your pants. or Because really, it doesn't do anything except just annoy the people around you. And nobody has a right not to be annoyed. The uh, council members in Timminsville said the ordinance is aimed at helping young people make better choices. Yeah, it's a bad choice. But I laugh. I laugh. There's a stretch of road that I go down to, that I go through to, to get home. And there's, uh, there's, 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 uh, this is where I see guys with their pants still hanging down. By the way, fashion usually just goes for a couple of years and moves on for some reason this one's stuck <laughs> it never it's died like 1990 well, it, it has gotten a, it's gotten a little bit better i mean it's not as low as it 
you I still know. I saw a guy just the other day. I mean, it was almost his whole. It was almost his whole underwear that I saw. But this is what's hilarious to me is in an in an effort to look cool, you're you're willing to make walking around so much more difficult than it should be because I see guys have to hold their buckles like they have to use one hand to hold their pants up while they're walking. Whereas it's like we invented the belt. I don't know how many hundreds of years ago and you don't need to do this anymore so it's i just laugh i just laugh that somebody desperately wants to be that cool in their mind that they're willing to make walking (laughs) when you're 23 years old walking is an afterthought you're willing to make walking difficult just so what do you you think women have done with their high heels yeah well that's uh that's another one i don't i don't get the high heel thing i mean i get it I get it from the point of view of looking at it. It's fantastic. <laughs> but myself, I, how could anybody do that? Well, I, don't, about, I have no idea. It's all about the swag, though. You got you If you have a good walk, yeah. you yeah. got swag. That's what it's all about, I suppose. This is my, look at uh, that guy. He looks broke, but look at that swag. Just to prove that this, yeah, just to prove that this, uh, that this phenomenon is uh, very white, not just, not just, uh, not just black. Years ago, like I say, this style has been around forever. My thirty-one-year-old, back when he was fourteen or fifteen, he had some friends over, and we had one of those, uh, like uh, just one of those basket basketball nets those, that you put up in your driveway. And I look out the window, and there's like seven or eight of them playing basketball, and all of them are holding their pants up with. One hand and playing with the other no. hand, and I just laughed. It's like, do you? Is it? It's. It looks that good that it's worth putting yourself through that much trouble. So again, <laughs> don't pass laws when you see somebody whose pants are down and you're, they're showing you all of their underwear. Again, the proper way to respond is that guy is not going to get in my way of being successful. That guy's not going to get in my way of making money, and that guy's not going to get in my way of climbing up the ladder of wherever I work. So just laugh. It's laughable. That's what we should be doing. We should be laughing at this stuff, not not passing laws. Uh, you have a right to be a moron, as long as you don't hurt somebody. I'm just amazed that the trend has lasted this long. I apparently people still look. Guys will keep a trend for one reason: girls respond to mm-hmm. it. So obviously, oh, enough guys are getting a response from the ladies that this one sticks around for a good long time. I like to see what kind of underwear people have. Yeah, you know if the guy's clean or not. Sometimes yeah, look at those clean underwear. Sometimes the underwear is like you know it's straight and tight, and sometimes it's all ruffled up, and yeah. that looks uncomfortable. Well, there you go. Like, no skid marks there. You're yeah. good. <laughs> he's, a, he's a clean dude, I guess. Really, it's kind of like try before you buy. All right, when we return, we have even more headlines. If you can believe that. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, hour three of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler, surrounded by my doctrinaires. There's Tim Andrews. There's Jared Yamamoto. There's English Nick. There's Autumn Fisher. So the way this works is, I think so far in the show, we've done headlines. Then we did something called More Headlines. And if you can believe it, it's now time for this. Even more headlines. Even more headlines. That might be the best imager ever. Straight to the point. We don't beat around the bush here at the Von Hessler Doctrine. We tell you what you're going to get, and then we just force it down your throat. All right, Jared. 
All right, the Fraternal Order of Police is asking the Justice Department to immediately investigate the killings of the five Dallas police officers, which, by the way, that story is really... I'm looking at CNN and Fox as we speak now, and that story is really, really gone down the main pages, and it's sad. Well, that's because the rallies keep on going on around the country, Black Lives Matter rallies, and they become more immediate news, and there didn't seem to me to be a moment at all where, you know, you would think after those cops got got shot like that, ambushed, just absolutely ambushed. I don't know how anybody can think that the Dallas Police Department has anything to do with the Baton Rouge Police Department or anything to do with the Minnesota Police Department, and you would think that everybody would have just said, hey, let's everybody, let's everybody step back for a moment. This is getting ridiculous. You know, these five guys uh, died uh, in the Dallas, well, four of them were the Dallas Police Department, one, one was with the, uh, the Transit Service uh, Police Department. You know, the, these people died and they and apparently if you look into the Dallas Police Department they are a model for the nation as far as percentages of different minorities or types of people on the department apparently mirror exactly the percentages of people in the metro Dallas area and in this time I, I talked about this earlier in this time where we're all told don't paint with a broad brush anybody just because that one guy shot up 50 people that doesn't mean all muslims are bad but when it comes to cops it's okay if one cop does something wrong in baton rouge it's okay to paint them all with the same brush and then we get this situation an absolute ambush and there's no evidence whatsoever that any of these officers were racist or anything but they die because we're told in this instance it's okay to paint with a broad brush. If one cop does something, it's okay to put that on other cops. And so we didn't stop down. And Black Lives Matter didn't do a little nasal gazing and gazing, navel gazing and say, "Hey, maybe maybe we need to pull down the rhetoric a little bit." What they did is basically has been successful. Let's have more and more rallies and let's fill up the newsprint and let's push this Dallas story down, which is what which has happened. And it's outrageous. Here's the thing. I, from my point of view, I think the concept of the hate crime is completely illegitimate. For whatever reason, if you murder in cold blood, that should have the most severe penalty possible in any state, in any city. Some people have death penalty, some people have life in prison, whatever it is. The concept of murdering in cold blood should get you the highest penalty. There should be no penalty higher than what we give people for murdering in cold blood. So I am against the concept of the hate crime. I understand, in a little bit of way here, I understand what's going on, and I reject it. I'm sick and tired of the right adopting the tactics of the left. There seems to be this, if you can't beat them, join them mentality. Uh... It doesn't matter what this guy was thinking when he murdered in cold blood these five police officers. The act that he committed, had he still been alive, I mean, he's dead. Uh, Where are you going to put these hate crimes on? The guy who did it is dead. But if he hadn't been killed and he went through the trial process, I think the simple act of ambushing five members of the Dallas Police Department should get you the most severe penalty possible. And it doesn't matter... The concept of the hate crime, if I'm walking down the street 
and someone shoots me in the head and ends my life for no good reason, I got news for you. I don't give a damn what that dude was thinking or what his motivation was. And whatever he was thinking and whatever his motivation was adds no information to the case as far as I'm concerned. He took an act which is the most barbaric act that you can have. Therefore, that act has the most severe penalty. And that should be it. So I'm against hate crimes when they come from the left. And I am not one of these people who is just going to throw my hands up and say, if you can't beat them, join them. I'll start using the same rhetoric rhetoric of the left. The concept of hate crimes, I reject totally. It's just not a real thing. How, how does it make it worse because you were thinking something in your head when you murdered me, I don't see how that makes the, the act is the problem. Taking life, murdering in cold blood, whatever you were thinking of it. I don't care if you were thinking that you wanted a hamburger. Who cares what you were thinking of when you did? The, we punish the act. The act is cold blooded murder. For cold blooded murder, should always be the severest penalty possible. So there's no need to throw anything else on top. The idea of hate crimes. Hate is a thought. So look in the mirror and know that you are in favor of thought crimes. Can we just deal with things as they are? I'm sick and tired of this rhetoric. Oh, hate crimes. Well, of course I'm against that because we're all against hate. Say it like it is, man. You're in favor of thought crimes. You're in favor of criminalizing the thought process. If you're for that, stand there. Raise your flag and tell me it is. Don't give me this glossy language about hate crimes. There's nothing that was going on in this guy's mind that makes the act that he committed worse. And if he was still alive, the act that he committed should be what is judged and should have the severest penalty. Once you have the severest penalty, what's the sense of another charge? Oh, and he was also thinking this. It's the most phony, baloney nonsense. And I'm just getting sick and tired of people from the right just adopting tactics from the left. Like, for the first few years of Obama's administration, like, this guy's thin-skinned and he's an autocrat. So we'll put up Donald Trump. <laughs> Our guy's thinner-skinned <laughs> and, and more of a dictator. It's like, or uh, for years, uh, they would go after Michael Moore and say that he has selective editing, uh, that, that he makes things uh, look as if things happened that didn't happen. And you know what? That was absolutely correct. But somewhere a couple of years ago, the people on the right decided, well, we'll just do the same thing. We'll make our own ambush videos, and we'll edit them selectively, and we'll get our base all riled up. It's a BS. You have to be intellectually honest. If it's wrong when they do it, it's wrong when you do it. All the time. 100% of the time. That is the truth. If you don't like the other side using a tactic, first and foremost, never use that tactic or else you are intellectually dishonest. Been kind of the theme of today's show, intellectual dishonesty. It's impossible to follow these stories because the premises from which these things erupt, the, the basis, hey, what we need in this country is a dialogue between the races. Hey, I got news for you. I don't. All right? I don't. 
I'm an enlightened individual, so the rest of you boobs get together and have your stupid <laughs> shouting match, and then just hit me with some sort of synopsis when you come through. I already know who I am. I already know what I am, and I'm more than willing to be judged by my actions, and I only judge others by their actions. You want to judge me by my actions and come back with a negative review? Okay, fine. That's legitimate, but I'm not going to be judged for my skin color or supposedly having some sort of privilege, which is absolutely ridiculous and not even real. There's so much intellectual dishonesty out there. The truth is, some black people are born in mansions and some white people are born in Appalachia. That's the truth. So why would I get involved in this discussion where people on the right want to trump up hate charges and people on the left want me to basically admit that I have some sort of original sin by being born white before I can sit down at the table for discussion? It can all go to hell. I know who I am. I'm an enlightened person, and I don't need you. You know, it reminds me of when we first came to uh, Atlanta with, uh, with, the, with the rock radio show, and I said something. I won't repeat here. There was nothing wrong with it, but I won't start the whole thing again. And, but it ended up that the gay rights people were mad at us. So we have a meeting in the office, and the person from the gay rights thing is there. This is 1998 or 1999. And at one point, I just said, look, this should be a very short discussion. I'm not anti-gay. I'm not against gay people, and I don't have any problem with gay people. So I should be able to turn around and just leave right now. Because you don't have a problem, and I've just told you you don't have a problem. But the meeting goes on and on and on. And at one point, I look at the guy and I say... Who decides whether I'm anti-gay, me or you? And in a moment of honesty, he said, I do. He thought he had the right to decide, because he's an activist, what I was thinking and what my motivations were. And it's just all, it's uh, people, I've been inside of this so long. It is so much BS. Let me tell you what I know. A black activist and a gay activist have more in common with each other than the black activist does with a guy, middle-class guy who just goes to work every day, black guy, or the gay activist has with just the average gay person. Activism in and of itself is a profession. And the people at the top of those professions have more in common with each other than the people they pretend to represent. So... Hate crimes are illegitimate. Is that where I started? That's where I'm going to end. It doesn't matter what they were thinking when they murdered you in cold blood. Murdering in cold blood should have the severest penalty, and therefore, there's no need to toss another allegation on top of it. So we have, how would we refer to this? Even, even more headlines when we return? All right. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. They are my doctrinaires. He is Jared Yamamoto, and he's feeding me headlines. That I am. Uh, Bernie Sanders, our old buddy, he's still hanging around. Uh, he's set to endorse. I'm right here. He's, he's set to endorse. <laughs> are you? I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> well, apparently you're going to endorse Hillary Clinton on Tuesday, but you struck some deals with Democrats over climate change, health care, and a $15, $15 minimum wage. This is in the platform, right, for that, the Democrats, right? That's correct. Don't forget that they're going to look at legalizing marijuana, which is what everybody wants. I don't have any problem with that, Bernie. On that one, it has nothing to do with fiscal responsibility, so I might be in agreement with you on that one. So this is the platform fight, and this is one of these things that the, both parties do to appease people who came close but didn't win. Oh, yeah. First of all, the platform, there is no obligation 
for the nominee once they're elected president to make things in the platform happen. The platform is just a statement of where the party is today and what we believe. I don't know. Bernie's calling it a victory for him. Yeah, because that's that's what they do. They give him some wiggle room. We got a victory. Now I can endorse. And everybody knows me now. Long (laughs) before, people didn't know who I am. And now they all know me. So I said this... uh, I think that Bernie Sanders missed his moment there because... Why, because I coughed? No, no, you missed your moment because <laughs> what you could have done is gotten what you really wanted. And if, if you're going to go with the socialism, then really do what you want. I think that what Bernie Sanders should have gone for in the, in the Democrat platform was an idea where once a year, through lottery, one family in the 1% will be dragged out of their homes... Into the town square and executed. Because that's Shame. really that's really where the rhetoric goes, as far as I'm concerned. These millennials <laughs> who follow Bernie Sanders have never heard of Chairman Mao, let alone understand any history. But by my friends, that is where that rhetoric ends up. That's what happens. Sooner or later, if the guys at the top are the people who are causing all the problems, the people below them convince themselves there's nothing wrong with being extremist so why not just say what you really want to say we can actually have one sacrificial family from the top one percent once a year just to make us losers feel better about ourselves like that movie the purge (laughs) you get to go find rich people drag them out of the homes like he said take all this stuff enough of the fancy rhetoric that's what these people really believe you know what you should call it bernie what burge the burge (laughs) feel the Birch. Feel the birch. Let's do it. Sorry, the Ronson family in Roswell. It's yeah. your turn this year. And Sorry. Let me, let me just add, having a bunch of hot little girls with tattoos ain't bad neither. Is that uh, part of the purge? My son saw The Purge uh, the other night. He told me it was the best worst movie he's ever seen. Oh, they're, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> they're just fun to watch. This is like the third one, right? They're yeah. milking it now. Yeah. And they put some sort of election spin on this one. Well... Sometimes art imitates life. <laughs> do you think that these millennials who follow Sanders have any idea of history? You know, they say if you, you know, those who don't know history are, are doomed to, to repeat it. Do they have any idea where this rhetoric goes? When you, start, I love the Democrats. Uh, we're not supposed to single out anybody. No bullying is allowed. You're not alone. Uh, often Hillary Clinton will give a speech. Bernie did the same thing. You know, enough of the us versus them. Stop trying to divide us. And then they spend the rest of the speech talking about how Wall Street people have caused every problem. So apparently Wall Street people aren't people. It's okay to divide between us and the Wall Street people. It's just not okay to divide us and whoever the other them are. The rich are. will pay their fair share. Yeah, the rich will pay their fair share in a country where the rich basically pay 70% of the federal taxes. Something it's- like 20% uh, pay... I think 20% of society pays... Over 70% of federal taxes. you got to remember, Eric, the 1% and the Wall Street folks, way more thick-skinned. They can take this kind of stuff. Well, they can also build higher and higher <laughs> fences. 
around their property, uh-huh. I suppose. I like but, that idea. But I, if you notice that, it's like it, it's it's it, it's also selective. You know, we're being told constantly we can't paint anybody with a broad brush, but. There are these certain selective areas where you can. Like I said earlier, if uh, a cop in Baton Rouge does something, it's okay, apparently, to put that on every cop in the country. Like, we've, we've decided that in this case, you know, it's okay. And Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, with their rhetoric against the top 1%, apparently, it's okay to single out those people and say that they're all the same and they're all bad. And what people don't realize is... You're engaging in stereotypes. Unless you, if you're in a position of authority, then I can I can paint you with any broad brush I want. I, yeah, well, but at least we know that person. If somebody doesn't like the president, they know that person. They've seen their work. But when you say these Wall Street bankers. How is that not a stereotype? How is that not, how does that not fall into the same category as saying, you know, all Asians or all Jews or anything like that? How is that not a stereotype to take nameless, faceless people that you've never met and throw them all into one bin? It's because the people decide. The, I don't know who the politically correct police decide. Well, selectively speaking, it's okay to stereotype rednecks. Have College you noticed? kids. Yeah. College kids are allowed to do it. All right. When we return, we cannot get around this. It's going to happen. My misanthrope buddy from New York City will join us from Studio B1. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. And today's Sunday, Atlanta Journal-Constitution find an investigation. and they, I mean, this is a deep investigation. They spent a long time doing this. They found some trouble in Georgia, and then they decided to look in the rest of the country. So this is uh, an investigation that covers the whole country, exposing a widespread number of doctors who sexually abuse patients and get away with it. And also, as an added bonus, you'll get $284 in coupon savings. That's why we say, if it's Sunday... It's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. And uh, whether I like it or not, it's time for this. He's a misanthrope, he has a dark heart, and he needs a good psychiatrist. New York, New York. It's Greg Russ with stories from Studio B1. All right, Gregory, how are you this week? Hi, how are you? Oh, he's being very nice, very pleasant. You can tell I put a smile on my face, even though it's forced. I what? put the smile on my face, and it's relaying. Yeah, fake it until you make it. That's what they taught us in radio school. Remember back when we were in Radio Academy? They used to tell us if you smile into the microphone, people will sense that smile. Yes, motion is emotion, they also said. So if you flail your arms, which I'm sure you were doing earlier when you're getting really worked up. I always flail my arms. Everyone knows whatever Eric Von Hessler is doing one of his rants, you can bet he is flailing his arms because motion is emotion, which Greg and I both learned at the Radio Star Academy that we went to when we were young kids. Oh, I miss those days, Greg. We were young. We were innocent. Yeah, I just I was thinking I had hope. I thought that, you know, radio would really take me places. It would be the yeah. savior. Well, I got news for you, Greg. Radio didn't let you down. 
you let radio down. So hit me with a story from Studio B1. Well, I mentioned the stories you were talking about earlier, all fluff. You're getting worked up over fluff, so I'm here with the hard-hitting stories, <laughs> such as such as Chumley from Pawn Stars saying, I'm moving on. And he's not moving on from the show. He's just moving on from the incident, his arrest, when he was arrested for meth and guns. Now, what did they do? Well, they called for a domestic disturbance or something, and yes. when they got there... Uh, they found this, he had a stripper's pole, and it was called like the Yum Yum Room or something. I don't know what he Ugh. called it. <laughs> and, but he had what? He had meth, he had guns, weapons, marijuana. Uh, marijuana, all of this sort of stuff. And I guess he came very close to having real trouble, but now he's going to be back on the show, and he says he's moving on. Yes, he's moving on from that time in his life. Is he he's going to start working a little more with charities supported yeah, by Pawn Stars. That's usually how you rehab your image. Is uh, God bless it? But uh, so yeah, that's uh, all it takes when you're doing some meth. You just decide I'm just going to move on from this meth. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Yeah, you know what? I realized that that addiction wasn't a good thing, so now I'm moving on. That's all you have to do. Uh, the old man have no problem with this guy coming back. I'm not too f- <laughs> no. thrilled about him to come back. Because I liked him when he was fat, and now he's all skinny because of the meth. <laughs> the old man's still alive. Another hoax went around the other day that he was dead. These keep circulating. So it's good to, it's good to hear you, old man. I'm sick of people saying I'm dead. Come on in here. We'll give you a good deal, and you can go blow it all on your slot machine later. <laughs> what you, did you, how old are you, old man? 378 years old. What's wrong with that left eye or the right eye as I look at it? It's made of glass. Oh, okay. (laughs) I got it from a guy who had Sammy Davis Jr.'s glass. I gave him 50 bucks for it. Because Rick couldn't verify it, and he has a buddy who knows a lot about glass eyes. <laughs> Pod stars. I'm a fan of Pod stars. I don't, like I don't seek Pod stars out, but if it's, if, if it's on, it's fun I'll, I'll watch seven in a row or yeah. something. It really is well done. It's total phony baloney. There's nothing real about it whatsoever. You can always see the setups, but all these reality shows are, and this is a reality show where I don't hate the people that are at the center <laughs> of the show, like any of those housewives shows that my wife watches. I mean, have you seen the Dallas one, the Dallas Housewives? This is pure evil. I mean, <laughs> these women are just, it's, it's, it's uh, insufferable. I like Mob Wives. That was entertaining. I have not seen oh, Mob God. Wives. Not seen but, Mob but you Wives. Gotta, you have to stick with the original franchises of the Housewives, like New York, OC, Beverly Hills, Atlanta. Autumn. Those are good. Autumn yeah, dumps the juice. Autumn watches all of these. I mean, yeah. she's, well, you watch all the Bravo shows, right? It's a lot of Bravo. Below Deck Med. Oh, that's I'm so watching, I'm going to watch Jeff Lewis is coming back. I'm going to watch that one. Hey, TLC, though. You like the TLC ones, too, because you like the Doogers. I've kind of moved on from TLC. The Doogers aren't See, on right you're now. Like I used to like John and Kate plus eight. I used you're, to watch all those stuff. Uh, your all life. What a vacuous person you are. Why do I have you on this yeah. show? What a vacuous hey, I like, thing. I like crap TV. <laughs> I'm that's I'm still, fine. I'm still coming to terms with the fact that Pawn Stars isn't real. Like so when the guy brings in his eighteenth century cannon from Rhode Island, it wasn't just a risk. He just didn't <laughs> yeah, decide I'm yeah. gonna take just that to the Las up. Vegas pawn shop. <laughs> well, I need gambling money because uh, right there in Vegas. Go put put it on seven. <laughs> I got I got a guy. I got the I got a guy. Let me call this expert in. I got a buddy who knows a lot about that. I can <laughs> All right. Well, Chumley's back, and he's moving on, and uh, 
I hope all works out well for him. I wonder if they'll address it during the Pawn Stars thing. You know, if they, somehow, it, will they address it or just move on? Somewhere, that's not math, it's flour. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you go back, why don't you go in the back and do a line of math? <laughs> Let's go to another story from Studio B1. All right, so about 100 people yesterday gathered in uh, here in New York because it was uh, body painting day. And what, what People is got the- naked. People got naked. They allowed artists to paint their bodies. Their bodies were the canvas. You know, people who think nudity. So beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. I, I know. I'll let you go first. The people who think that nudity is so cutting edge. It's so artistic. It's just infantile. You know, gross. So you know why I see? when I don't have my clothes on. No, no, no. Especially a group of nude people. Yeah. I just think of all the emissions. Like, it, yeah. it's, our, it's happening if even if yes. clothes are on. But I think of all the gases that are escaping those disgusting. bodies. Disgusting. Exactly. You ever been to a nude beach? It's one of those disgusting places on earth because the people you want to see are never there but the old guy who looks like uh, Lou Grant <laughs> is always there hairy body walking down I mean it's just look this idea clothes are for a reason so we can be fashionable and not gross each other out there are some people for a few years in their life are works of art when they walk around nude. I will give it. There are some people who just look fantastic, but that's about 1% of the population at any given time. We put on clothes so we don't gross each other out. <laughs> that's your social programming talking. Oh, no. Here it is. Did you take part, uh, my of little course. flower? My little snowflake? I, yes. Yeah? I loved it. You know, I'm not in New York right now, but I just was like out in my front yard, just like <laughs> naked and yeah. free. And that makes you feel free to not have your clothes on. Oh, my. It's like we're born naked, so I just like to be naked. It's you know, so it's freeing. The, the, the clothes represent the social restraints, right? The that, clothes that's, are just so, especially my clothes are all very tight, but they're mm-hmm. all vegan. <laughs> what? <laughs> in San Francisco, the most liberal city in the country, I mean, most liberal big city in the country, uh, they, they have a thing where you can be nude, I guess. I don't know where the law stands now, but for a while you could be nude. And after a while, people started to complain because guess what? If you walk around all day and you sweat and you get kind of gross and then you walk into a fast food restaurant and sit down, guess what? When you get up, you leave an imprint. Oh, that's about uh, as family friendly as I can tell you. This is but the that's reality. Just natural. It's yeah, well, just like I said. It's your social programming telling you that that's gross when really it's beautiful. I don't want to sit there next to eat a burger where you left your human imprint as you left. So now, so they had to update the, problem the law. Problem is, is that you're not leaving a human imprint. That's the real problem. <laughs> it is. It is backward. There's this idea that people will lose control if they see people walking around naked. But it, as I stated before it has the opposite effect at least on me you see enough of these people and you think to yourself this is disgusting especially <laughs> in this this humidity that we've had yes. here in new york i know atlanta is very humid too and think about just walking outside for a few minutes and you're soaked you're soaked after a minute or two so this morning right people. before i yeah. left i left my house at like 10 o'clock this morning before i left i took the trash out i was drenched by the time i got in my car <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the humidity is so is so high right now and uh, but that san francisco 
Francisco thing, they had to go back and amend the law and say that you have a responsibility to bring your own napkin or something to put down <laughs> oh. when you sit down in, fa- in restaurants. But I mean, just, I, I just, where I, am I going to put this napkin, Eric? <laughs> where am I going to put it? I'm not wearing clothes. I, I guess I have a human pocket. You'll have to carry it around. I think a lot of these nudists actually have uh, fanny packs or something that they carry all their stuff with. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, you know. uh, there's only so, there's only two places to put it. One's a fanny pack. It's all I'm saying is, it's just not that cutting edge. I, I love people. Oh man, I'm I'm all about being nude and I'm free. Oh, you're just stupid. Well, that's that's what I was that almost verbatim the quote from one of these guys who partook in it. Yeah, what a surprise. Uh, I enjoy being being nude. It's a pleasure to indulge in that enjoyment on a sidewalk in Manhattan. <laughs> no, what they really are is uh, they're they're like uh, look at me, look at me, look at me, extroverts, right? Yeah. Yeah, they want to be the person. It's like that guy, my buddy Joel used to always say that the this, the, the guy who uh, shows up at uh, any kind of gathering, you know, any kind of festival, and he's got like a big snake around his neck. Yeah. He's walking around with his snake, and then it's like he's oh, walking. Who, who, he's, Jimmy? Uh, this uh, is just my pet uh, Jimmy. Uh, oh, what do you mean this snake? <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. Please, <laughs> I didn't even notice. He loves me. He's just a spotlight. Idiot. So in San Francisco, if you do not bring a uh, towel to sit on when you're a nudist, uh, a human are, imprint towel. You, yeah, human imprint towel. You are charged a hundred dollars. You get a hundred dollar fine if you forget that towel. <laughs> what's the, what's the crime? <laughs> well, crime is. Leaving I, I know. I know what the crime is. I want to know like when they actually charge you with it. What they write on the ticket? Oh gosh, I'm looking for that. Probably now. something along the lines of hygiene or public moisture safety. control. No. <laughs> Lack of towel. <laughs> but the thing is, nobody thought about this in San Francisco. If you're going to let fat, sweaty men walk around nude and eat at your restaurants, they're going to leave an imprint. <laughs> Think about these things beforehand. We wear clothes for a reason. Waiter, there's a chest hair in my soup. <laughs> it's yours. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, we have time for another story from Studio B1. A real quick one. Yeah, we, one we can hit one. Johnny Manziel jersey's now selling for $1.99. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know because she doesn't follow sports. Has anybody hate that guy? Has anybody? Has anybody? Oh, Jared's looking like he's still a Johnny Manziel fan. Listen, I think he's super talented. Is he? I, 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 okay, he's a head case. What? What? He, he is a head case. What is he talented at? He is a head case. What is he, he is, talented he is a at? very good, he's a, still a very mobile quarterback, and I think that there is a Never, need for no, that some no. teams out there. When, when has he ever done anything in the NFL? He hasn't done that yeah, much. Yeah, that but with the Cleveland Browns, so come on. That's like one of the so worst what? teams. There's one of the of worst bad teams team. out there. There's plenty of bad teams that have good quarterbacks. They're recognized. He's done nothing. He's not a good quarterback. Listen, the Denver let me tell you something. When you, let me tell you what happens when you dominate college football. Okay, When you're a great quarterback in college football, seven out of the 11 people that are opposing you on the defense in four years are selling used cars. Okay, When you go up to the NFL... You're dealing with the best of the best of the best. And Johnny Manziel will never, ever be able to deal on that playing field because he's not that talent. It's just that you're a bro, and he's a bro, oh. and you, you you have friends like I Johnny give him Manziel. A second you look a little bit like Johnny Manziel, as a matter of fact. Oh, God, I hope I don't have that meathead mentality. Uh, I've been around you. You do. Did I, just, did I go past the music again? All right. I will <laughs> hit the music one more time, and I will do this properly. We have the best goodbyes in the business. Don't miss them when we return. Welcome back to our very last segment. I'm the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. 
The Doctrinaires are here. Tim, Jared, English, Nick, Autumn, even Greg is still. Greg, you still there? I'm still here. Okay, keep your mouth shut. I got I to close things down here. So, we have a lot to do here. First, I have to tell you that you should download the WSB Radio app. Because, well, it's got all the great features. You can listen to WSB Radio anywhere. you got the open mic feature. But the Von Hessler Doctrine is right there on the front page. And we do three podcasts a week that are only available on that app. This show ends up on that app. Any fill-in that we do, anything you want or need, Von Hessler, you'll find on the WSB Radio app. So go ahead and download that right now. Don't be silly. Uh, Also... This is uh, the best time of the year to be here at WSB because in a world where it seems like very little good is being done, in the next uh, couple of days we're going to do a lot of good as we do every year. Starting at 4.30 in the morning, Monday morning, tomorrow, we will start the WSB Carathon benefiting the Aflac Cancer Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Now, we look, don't let us down, people, because we want to raise more money this year than we raised last year, and we raised a lot of money last year. Yeah, just under $1.6 million, folks. And that's, and that's all from you. That's all from you. And I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Where you look at a world and think nothing good is happening, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to shine some light in what sometimes seems like endless darkness. So we will be on from 8 to 10 tomorrow night and I believe we're following Eric Erickson. That's correct. Okay, so my personal thing, competition, is that I want to raise more money from 8 to 10 than Erickson is making, is going to raise before us. So that's my personal little competition and if you are a fan of the Von Hessler Doctrine, then don't let us down. 8 to 10 tomorrow night we will entertain you and you will give money. That's the, I'm hypnotizing everyone. You will give <laughs> money and the beauty of this is WSB, you have to know this. This is only one of those things where you hear about those charities and they only give 20%. WSB does not take home a single dime from this. All of it goes to Athlet Cancer Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And if you listen in over the next couple of days, you're going to hear some amazing stories about the work that they do. We're talking to people in their 20s and their 30s who were at that, who were there when they were children and were helped. Now they come back to help. It is a very beautiful organization, and I'm proud and thankful that I'm being included in the lineup. So tomorrow night, 8 to 10. Do we have enough time for uh, Paul Stanley of KISS to tell us just one or two things we learned today? Okay, first of all, Sulu from Star Trek, he's gay now. Yeah, well, he, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that. I never knew he was gay. He was my favorite Jedi, though. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Stanley Doctrine says don't mess with the Clintons. They never lose. And if you think you're in the way, you're going to get killed by a barbell. (laughs) Paul Stanley, tacking right. No, just I know the facts. Listen, I'm going to wrap it up real quick here. Don't miss the Carathon. I'm going to donate money, bring good into the world, and help fight cancer. Eric, tomorrow night, 8 to 10, I'm listening. Thank you, Paul Stanley from, from KISS. I was going to say Chris for some reason. <laughs> A drummer's name is Chris. Thank you to Tim Andrews. Thank you to Jared Yamamoto, English Nick, Autumn Fisher, even Greg Russ. That was this episode of the Von Hessler Doctrine. We'll chat with you again on the next episode, which is next Sunday. But until then, excuse me? Tomorrow. I'm sorry. um, Okay, you're confusing me. We'll speak to you tomorrow (laughs) night, 8 o'clock. The next Von Hessler Doctrine is next Sunday at noon. But until then, each and every one of you, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn.